Well, good evening. If you have a Bible, you can open up to 1 John chapter 2, verse 22 to 23. That's 1 John chapter 2, verse 22 and 23. And my name is Pastor Dade Ronan, and I've been here for a while, since 2004. And I just want to let you know that I absolutely love teaching the Word of God. It's the, the highlight of my uh, existence. Well, this evening's uh, message is titled, Don't Deny Jesus' Deity. Don't Deny Jesus' Deity. Well, I'm in talks with a guy who doesn't believe that Jesus is God. And I have a relative that doesn't believe Jesus is God. In fact, there are many in this world that don't believe Jesus is God. And they deny his deity. In 2015... 92% of American adults said Jesus Christ was a real person who actually lived. 92%. That's really good. I'm part of that 92%. But in 2020, a survey conducted by Ligonier Ministries found that 52% of U.S. adults say they believe Jesus Christ is not God. A belief that contradicts the teaching of the Bible, which states that Jesus is both God and man. Well, here in these verses, 1 John 2, verse 22 to 23, The Apostle John is pounding at the fact that Jesus is God. And anyone who says otherwise is a liar. So we're going to take a look at four points. The first point is affirm Jesus is the Christ in verse 22. Secondly, second point is acknowledge Jesus is God in verse 23. And then the third point is an argument about Jesus' name. And finally, the fourth point in verse 23, application about Jesus' deity. So let's take a a look at this first point. Affirm Jesus is the Christ in verse 22. And before I read God's word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for your word that your word would speak volumes to our ears. Help us to have ears to hear what you are saying to us, Lord. To hear it, to receive it, to believe it, and to apply it, Lord. That we would live wholeheartedly for you, God, in your kingdom. To your praise and your glory, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. 1 John chapter 2, verse 22. The Bible says, Who is a liar? but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. 
He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. And first of all, I'm like, wow, John, those are some hard words. But he just goes right at it. And it's things that we need to hear today. Now, first of all, I have to ask this question. What does Christ mean? What does Christ mean? Well, Jesus is a real person who was born for the express purpose of being the Messiah, the Christ, the Son, the Savior, to all who put their faith in him. To some surprise, to some surprise, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, meaning anointed one or chosen one. This is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word Mishiach or Messiah. So Jesus is the Lord's human name given to Mary by the angel Gabriel. In Luke chapter 1, verse 31. And Christ is his title signifying Jesus was sent from God to be a king and deliverer. As we see in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, and Isaiah 32, verse 1. So Jesus Christ means Jesus the Messiah, or Jesus the Anointed One. So Jesus' title of Christ means he is God's anointed one. The one who fulfills the Old Testament prophecies. The chosen Savior who comes to rescue sinners. As we see in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, and we're going to take a look at that verse here in a moment. And the King of kings who is to come back to set up his kingdom on earth as we see in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 1, verse 31. Here, the angel Gabriel is telling Mary, verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. So we have God being born as a man. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, the Bible says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And if you think you, that you are a chief sinner, just raise your hand. Pretty much everyone. We're, we're amongst a, a good crowd here. My next question, start digging a little deeper. What is the hypostatic union? Hypo what? Hypostatic union refers to the union between God and man. And when, every time I hear this phrase, hypostatic union, I just want to say, what you talking about, Willis? It's one of those things that just makes you just long. Like, 
what? The hypostatic union is the term used to describe how God, the Son, Jesus Christ, took on human nature, yet remained fully God at the same time. That's like, that's mind-blowing. Jesus always had been God, as we see in John chapter 8, verse 58. But at the incarnation, Jesus became a human being. In John chapter 1, verse 14, and we're going to look at that in a moment. The addition of the human nature to the divine nature is Jesus, the God-man. I like that phrase, Jesus, the God-man. I need to make a t-shirt of that. This is the hypostatic union. Jesus Christ, one person, fully God and fully man. So Jesus' two natures, human and divine, are inseparable. Jesus will forever be the God-man. Fully God and fully human. Two distinct natures in one person. Jesus' humanity and divinity are not mixed, but are united. They're united without loss of separate identity. Jesus sometimes operated with the limitations of humanity, as we see in John chapter 4, verse 6. And other times, in the power of his deity, as we see in John chapter 11, verse 43. And in fact, I want to point out something here in John chapter 8, verse 58. John 8, 58, Jesus speaking says, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So what is Jesus doing there? He is saying that he is the I am. The same I am that was at the burning bush with Moses. When Moses went and, and had time with the Lord, the burning bush told Moses to go back to Egypt and take his people out of Egypt into the promised land. And Moses asked, well, who is it that I should say is sending me to do this? And God, speaking through the burning bush, said, my name is I am. And Jesus is claiming to be the same I am in that verse. So Jesus is claiming to be God. And in John chapter 1, verse 14, the apostle John writes, And the word Jesus became flesh and dealt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The I am God, born to be a human flesh, the God-man, the hypostatic union. And Paul writes to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11, he writes this, Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking 
the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So there Jesus, claiming to be God, saying he came into the likeness of man, that the hypostatic union between God and man, the God-man, Jesus. Verse 8, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and those in heaven, and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now we're going to take it up a notch and ask another question. Well, what is the Trinity? And no, I'm not talking about my daughter. To put it simply, the Trinity is the tri-unity of the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as one. Now, this is one of those things that is just really hard to grasp. Many Christians today don't even believe in the Trinity. And I like to think of it this way. There are some things about God that we simply cannot understand fully. And this is one of them. How can three persons in the Godhead be one? My mind, it, I, I don't understand that concept. I, my mind fails to understand it completely. And it's one of those things that as I learn about it, I still have to take it by faith because God's word is truth. God's word is true. You know, our, puny uh, our puny brains can't comprehend this concept. If we could fully understand every aspect about God, then that would diminish God's attribute of eternality. How can I know about God in eternity past? Or how can I know about God in eternity future? I can't. There's things about God, I just, it's impossible to know. And this concept, three in one, I can apprehend it, but ultimately, I need to take it by faith. And in fact, that's what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says. For you have been saved by grace through faith. There has to be an element of faith in our relationship with the Lord. As all Orthodox Christians agree, the doctrine of the Trinity holds that God is one essence, but three persons. God has one nature, but three 
centers of consciousness. God is only one what, but three who's. An infinite being existing in eternity as three co-equal infinite persons, consubstantial yet distinct. And I love that because it means God is awesome. God is immense. God blows my mind. It creates an awe of me and thinking about who God is. I remember one time in California, two young Mormon men knocked on my door, and one of them actually said, you don't really believe Jesus is God, do you? And I was like, yes, he is. Then we went on to have a discussion, and he was fully convinced by the church, their, their church, that Jesus was not God. In fact, the Mormon church has announced in April of last year that they are planning to build their first temple in Wichita, Kansas. And it's going to be the first temple in the state of Kansas. And I bring them up to make this point. The top 10 religious organizations that do not affirm the Trinity is the Mormon church. Number one, Mormonism. Number two, Jehovah's Witnesses. Number three, Christian science. Number four, Armstrongism. Number five, Christadelphians. Number six, the Oneness Pentecostals. Number seven, Unification Church. Number eight, Unity School of Christianity. Number nine, Scientology. And number 10, The Way International. These are organizations that do not affirm the Trinity. What's interesting, because if you go back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God himself makes a very interesting statement. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Wow, pretty interesting. God himself says, let us. God said, let us. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, I'm sure you've heard this one before. The Bible says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God the Lord is one. There's one God and three persons. And in fact, this is something that I, I just, I found and I was just ecstatic because I, I actually don't remember 
really thinking about this. John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus speaking mentions all three of the Godhead. Check this out. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Jesus himself affirming all three of the Godhead. And we're in 1 John chapter 2, verse 22 and 23, but later the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 makes a profound statement, and he says, There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Godhead, the Father, the Word, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. So we as believers need to affirm Jesus is God. To boldly share it, to strongly defend it, and to verbally affirm it. Now let's take a look at our second point. Acknowledge Jesus is God. Verse 23, the Bible says, Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So acknowledge Jesus is God. Point number two. Question, what ways do we deny Jesus? What ways do we deny Jesus? Now, so many times in our life, we deny Jesus in the littlest of ways. You can deny Jesus by accepting a substitute, which can be anything in this world. I sometimes do this. To the astute observations of my wife, when something good happens at work, she will ask, did you give thanks to God? Sometimes I say yes. But sometimes I don't. Because I either looked at my own abilities for that accomplishment or some other force of good luck. That is accepting a substitute and not giving honor and glory to Jesus. You can deny Jesus by denying his power which can come in the form of explaining away his miracles. You can deny Jesus by rejecting his love, which can come in the form of temporary self-satisfaction. You can deny Jesus by repudiating his sacrifice, which can look like caving into peer pressure. A great example is Peter. After the trial of Jesus, Peter goes out in the court to warm himself, and the story is told in Mark chapter 14, verse 67 and 68. 
And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 68, but Peter said, he denied it, saying, I never knew you nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch and a rooster crowed. Because Jesus had said, before the rooster crows a couple times, you will deny me three times. He should have done what he had done previously when Jesus was talking to the apostles and said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the answer he should have gave. That's the type of answer we need to give. Just like the woman at the well in John chapter 11, verse 27, she said to Jesus, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is bold. That is affirming and acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. So what does scripture say about Jesus being God? Well, John makes it clear that Jesus is synonymous with the Father, but still different. John chapter 14, verse 11. Jesus said, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And then in John chapter 10, verse 30, this is one of my favorite verses. John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and my Father are one. I don't know how more plainly and clearly Jesus could make it than that. So we as believers need to acknowledge that Jesus is, is God, to joyfully receive it, to faithfully believe it, and to confidently acknowledge it. Don't be ashamed. Point number three is the argument about Jesus' name in verse 23. The argument about Jesus' name in verse 23. So what argument do people have about Jesus' name. There are many religions out there that say they are just like Jesus, yet they deny his deity. You see, God is not a buffet. You can't pick and choose what you want to accept. It is either all of God's word or nothing. God doesn't give us an option to choose only what we like or prefer, or how we feel at that moment. God, it's either God or not God. All God or all not God. Maybe you have heard this objection. We all worship the same God. You have one name for him and I have another but that doesn't matter. 
We are just talking about different roads to the same God because we all have the same God. Well, Peter, who we saw as a bad example, now we're going to show him as a good example in Acts chapter 4, verse 10 to 12, where he's talking to the Jewish leaders. He says, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. Peter got it right there. So what answer can we give about Jesus' name? So we need to be ready in season and out of season to give a response for the hope that lies within us. We need to be equipped with this word that we teach and learn and study. We need to be empowered by his Holy Spirit and filled with the love of Jesus to give that answer. And I like what David Guzik says in giving an answer. He says, was your God perfectly revealed in Jesus Christ? If your God was, then you have the same God. If your God wasn't perfectly revealed in Jesus, then you do not have the same God as in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the writer of Hebrews writes, Who, being in the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So the writer is saying that Jesus is the express image of God. And even Jesus even says the same thing to Philip. In John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said to Philip, Have I been with you so long, yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? If you want to know what the Father looks like, look to Jesus. So what opportunities have you had to give a response about your faith? Are you ready to share with others? Or, or what is it that you are lacking? And have you taken the time to learn? Because the reality is this, that you may have a relative or a friend whose eternal destiny is in the balance. And God might want to use you to help facilitate that conversation. That your friend or relative might have an opportunity to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and have their eternal destiny changed from eternal separation to eternal life with the Father. Now let's take a look at the fourth point 
The application, that's three, four, the fourth point. The application about Jesus' deity. Verse 23, the application about Jesus' deity. What claims does the Bible say about Jesus' deity? Let's accept the ones that the Bible makes clear. One, that Jesus is being fully God and fully man. Two, Jesus having the power over sin and death. And three, Jesus having salvation through him, Jesus, and no others. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 to 4, he writes, For I delivered to you first of all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And again, Romans chapter 14, verse 9, For to this end, Christ died and rose again and lived that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. And in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So what ways can we apply these verses to our lives today? Well, we can affirm and acknowledge daily that Jesus is both man and God. That Jesus both died on the cross and rose again. That Jesus has both the power over sin and death. And that Jesus is both Savior and Lord. So to deny that Jesus is God is to be a liar. As the Apostle John puts it quite frankly. But to affirm and acknowledge and confess that Jesus is Lord, Savior, Master, King is to be consistent with Scripture. You might be in the minority in this world. But in the end, I would rather be living eternally with God than compromising my faith in this world. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, in closing. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Be an overcomer. Affirm and acknowledge Jesus is Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray for your Holy Spirit to embolden us. In these last days, it's going to be difficult to be a believer, but Father, we pray that we could be bold and just outwardly declare you are Lord. You are God. You are our Savior, Jesus, and we love you. So thank you for your word, and we pray that you continue to bless us in this congregation. In Jesus' name, amen.